Hello, workout people, meatheads, bodybuilders, cardio bunnies, and everyone else that works out at the gym. You're listening to the How Should I Bro podcast, and I hope you hit that subscribe button, because if you're just casually listening after this episode, you're going to want to listen to everyone that we ever do, or you're going to give us a bad rating and you're never going to listen to this show again. But I like to think it's going to be what I said first. (laughs) My name is Sam Richardson. I'm I am Sam. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I am a licensed, certified, and insane personal trainer here in Fenton, and I'm joined by my co-host, my producer, and my longtime good buddy, Tim Pickerel. How are you doing this evening, Tim? I'm doing pretty good, except for when I just like stepped over what you were about to say because I didn't know, <laughs> well, know exactly how we, you were going to open the show. We have kind of a normal format we've been following, so it's only natural that it felt like it was that point because usually <laughs> I'll stop and then Tim introduces himself. But for today, I just felt like blowing Tim live on the air <laughs> with that setup. The How Should I Bro podcast is brought to you by a couple of awesome places. The first one is Show Me Comics. Tim, what makes Show Me Comics so awesome? Show Me Comics is the premier independent graphic novel company. How do we say that? See, that's some hard shit to remember. Independent. You always do the you always do that part so good. <laughs> I think I fuck it up all the time. I'll be saying it and I'm like, oh fuck, I'm gonna mess up premier and independent. But it is the premier independent comic book company in the entire go. universe. They produce a 64-page graphic novel that's in full color. It's called Hafu, and coming soon, Hafu Book 2. And the reason that we always like to shout out Show Me Comics is because we actually have a big part to do with uh, the comic book and everything that goes on with that company because we're a part of it. The other sponsor that I'd like to throw out there is Extreme Krav Magan Fitness, located in Fenton, Missouri, in the Gravoy Bluffs area. So if you're a St. Louis listener, it's not that far from you. If you're from Malaysia, well, it's a little bit of a drive. (laughs) But Extreme Krav Magan Fitness, what makes them awesome and separates them from other martial arts facilities is they're not just teaching you how to break boards and do these dance routines they're going to teach you actual self-defense in real life situations and i'm there training everybody i do my personal training there i do my boot camps there i run an mma class i am there all day long i love that facility it is the coolest place i have ever trained so that's why i'm putting it on here that is extreme crowd and you can visit both our sponsors at showmecomics.com and you can you can visit the training studio at xkm slash stl.com. So, on the past podcast, I've talked with a few professional wrestlers. I had Mr. ACH from Ring of Honor, and I had Mr. Davey Vega from Alana Promotions on here. And I talked about how pro wrestling was such a part of my life growing up. Not only as a fan as a kid watching it being entertained with my brother who'd beat the fuck out of me. But whenever I was 18, I actually got licensed and I got into the world of professional wrestling. So for like the last 15 years or so, I've kind of had an off-again, on-again love affair with wrestling. The first several years, I was very serious about what I was doing with it. In fact, 
Tim and I were part of a promotion that we helped build up called the Lethal Wrestling Alliance, or LWA for short. And whenever we had to grow up in real life, you know, eventually told us you can't have this pipe dream anymore. You know, we kind of stepped back from it, faded away, and, and some other guys took it over. It is now known as St. Louis Anarchy, and they do incredible shows. The guys took it over, and while they don't really pay much attention to the production anymore, you know, as a wrestling show, they've taken it and just, I mean, they've gone crazy with it. They're doing awesome stuff. I went to the uh, their last show back in that we cut that we were plugging on the early episodes, and yeah, the wrestling was phenomenal in it. Right, they're bringing in guys from all across the country, sometimes all across the world. They've brought in guys from Japan and uh, from overseas. So I mean, the entering action is just incredible. But myself, the last the last probably seven eight, it really as old as my daughter. My daughter is eight and a half. So in the last eight and a half years since since my first kid was born. My my desire to wrestle, I don't necessarily want to say it waned, but real life was just making it incredibly hard to do anything like that. And as everybody listening knows or should know, when there's something that you want to be not just good at, but great at, you have to be able to dedicate a very large portion of your life and your time and your passion and your desire for, or else you're never going to be that great at it. You have to be able to put time into it. And with where I was at in life um, at that time and for quite a few years afterwards, it's like as much as I wanted to do the wrestling and be a part of that world, it was just, it wasn't going to happen. And so I would have matches here and there. I might wrestle a match and then, you know, a few months would go by and then a year would go by. And, you know, I was just kind of here and they're like, basically, I wasn't putting myself into it all the way. And uh, eventually it, it got to where I think two years had passed and my business got to a point that it had grown enough that I felt pretty comfortable with getting back into the wrestling world. And uh, this was back in like 2012 or so. And I really did. I mean, I went like balls deep back into wrestling and I was wrestling for quite a few different promotions around here. I got to where I was doing two or three matches um, every weekend. And uh, it was really, I, I loved it. I had so much fun getting back into it. And I did this for about a year and a half. And my, 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 my youngest kid, my newest one, um, he was born April of last year. And uh, when he was just like maybe a month and a half or two months old, he wound up getting this, this stomach problem, this thing with his intestines that and almost caused him to die. And there was a night of a really big wrestling show called Circus Maximus. It's an annual event that St. Louis Anarchy does. And um, I was scheduled to wrestle on that show. And instead, we were at the uh, the pediatric hospital that night being told that my son only had hours to live if they didn't do this emergency surgery. And um, you know, I felt really bad because I had to cancel on the guys, but that was the last thing on my mind that night. I think that's a uh, good reason to miss a match. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that it just, you know, after that, I, I felt guilty doing anything for myself. I felt guilty, like, if I was going to wrestle, because then I'm like, oh, man, but then, you know, my significant other is at home with the kid. And, you know, what if he gets sick again? I don't know. I mean, I just, it. I don't know if that sounds ridiculous or not, but I felt really guilty about doing anything for myself at that point. And, um, 
you know, I just I, I went a while without doing the wrestling shows. I really went a while without doing much but work at all. And of course, we had the comic book that we've been doing, and that's consumed you know every other part of my life that work and and family life hasn't. And um, a few months ago, the promoter at the uh, the St. Louis Anarchy shows, who goes by the name of Pierre Abernathy, contacted me, and he was like, "Hey, man, are you like ready to get into the ring again, or what?" And I'm like, yeah, you know, like I, I never was, you know, not ready, but I just didn't think you guys had anything for me. Or I thought maybe, you know, you were uh, questioning my desire since the whole, uh, the whole surgery incident. And it wasn't anything like that at all, but just, just to fast forward, make a long story short, I was asked if I wanted to come back into the wrestling world. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling so guilty now. My son is doing great. The comic book is finished, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do this because I really, really want to get back into the ring. And I want to get wrestling out of my system. So that's what I've decided I'm going to do. I've decided I'm going to take the next, I don't know how long. It might be a year. It might be five years. But I got to get wrestling out of my system. I'm going to go balls to the wall with these shows that I'm doing. That doesn't mean I'm going to wrestle two or three times every week. My life just isn't going to be able to accommodate that kind of schedule. But the matches that I do get, no matter how many that they are, I want to put everything into this. I have to get it out of my system. I'm at a point in my life and in my age, not that I'm fucking geriatric or anything. I'm not in a walker. But being 33 years old, I feel incredible, but... I understand anatomy and physiology more than anybody. My body's not going to be able to keep doing this for, you know, forever. I've only got a certain time frame left in me to go out there and put on badass matches and beat my body up and do all this stuff. So I figure, what the fuck? Put that motherfucker in high gear and let's get this shit out of my system. So with that said, on May 9th, I'm going to have my first match back in over a year. I'm at Granite City for a promotion called PWCS. Now, I'm headed somewhere with this, how this relates to the How Should I Bro podcast. I just talked for however long, you know, about wrestling, and some of the <laughs> listeners I'm be going, okay, motherfucker, I'm about to turn this off or switch it over to the uh, Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> I, I didn't let myself go. Like, I always try to stay in pretty good shape. My diet's pretty good most of the time, but, you know, I, I have to keep up a certain appearance for what I do as a trainer, but it's a little different whenever you know you're going out in front of a large audience and you're wearing nothing but a fucking loincloth. So what I'm saying is my appearance, my diet, my training needed to be altered you know, to get ready to get back into the ring because where I've been at this past year wasn't bad, but it also wasn't like getting in front of people and being damn near naked. So... I had originally planned for my first match back to be in July. And the more I thought about it, I was like, that's too long. I, I gotta get I gotta get some of this rust off. I'd like to get to get work in some matches as soon as possible. So me and one of the promoters talked and decided on this this May 9th thing coming up. The only problem was I thought about it, I'm like, well fuck, I'm just getting into my training. I'm gonna have to be I'm just gonna have to haul balls to get into any type of decent shape for this show on May 9th. So what I decided to do is the 30-day challenge that I'm always talking about, I decided I'm going to do three of them fuckers in a row. I'm going to take the next 90 days 
and I'm only going to have one cheat day in between. So like whenever the first 30 days is done, I'm going to have one cheat day and then bam, I'm back on another 30. Then another cheat day, bam, back on another 30. Because the big match that I was talking about, that Circus Maximus, the next one, this year's, is in August. And that's the one that I'd really, I'd like to come into that just fucking in the best condition I've ever been. But I still have to get ready for this May night show. So um, I've had a few people that follow me on Instagram and on, on some other social media that have seen some of the progress pics and stuff that I've been putting up. And um, they've noticed there's quite a difference from where I started to where I'm at right now. And it's only been like 26 days. And they were like, what are you doing? Like, how do you drop that much weight or water or whatever in that amount of time? And that's where that's leading to this show and how it relates to the how shit I bro stuff. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about that. But before I get into mine, because I want to keep everybody out there inspired, not just anybody that might be into wrestling or whatever, Tim yes, and sir. his fiance <laughs> have also been doing the challenge. And I've been looking at their pictures and going, damn, because his fiance has lost like eight pounds already. And Tim, I don't think you've really talked about what you've lost, but you can tell in the pictures a huge difference. So, how are you guys doing? Um, well, as far as keeping up with taking pictures and putting them online, obviously I've uh, slipped a lot the last couple of weeks because I'm lazy and I don't like taking pictures. But uh, yeah, diet wise, I'm still on track. We're uh, we started on we started the day that the 30 Day Team Sam episode came out. So. This coming Tuesday will be the end of the first 30 days, and I did my weigh-in on Tuesday of this week, and I was at 206. I believe I started at somewhere between 212 and 214. I don't remember oh, which. I'd have to, I'll have to check the uh, actual Instagram to see where my starting point was, but I've, uh, I've went down a few, but then I want to... Uh, I want to give a warning out there to people who are trying to lose weight. Don't get obsessed with the scale because you'll be heavier on certain days than other days. So you can't get discouraged because I went on the scale today just out of curiosity and I was 208 and I was really depressed until I realized I'm not going to be 208 next Tuesday. So Exactly. As I like to call it, it's the descending jagged line. Because your body's going to have fluctuations in water. It's going to have fluctuations in other fluids that you're going to have. Everyone should give themselves like a three, maybe like a three-pound um, like buffer area to where it's like, okay, I may have weighed you know a pound or two heavy today, but that's okay. It could be water. It's, it's whenever it's a consistent thing that you go, okay, that's not water. But, yeah, everybody's going to have that buffer area. So, But, I mean, you've had some amazing results so far. And off of the scale, how have you noticed like strength increases, endurance increase, and stuff like that? Because um, I saw a picture. Tim put one up on Instagram the other day, and he was doing some cable curls over there in his arms. It looked like he had balloons yeah, I'm not stuffed sure. into his shirt. And his biceps, his biceps, they were about to explode out of his shirt. <laughs> and his skin was just wrapped tight around his biceps. Yeah, so, well, yeah, we've been working out the entire time. Pretty much since we started working out in January. Uh, like, long term, I've, I've, I've flirted in and out of the gym, uh, as I've mentioned on the show before. But we've been, we've been hitting it pretty consistently since January. So I'm either getting some gains or my shirts are stri- uh, shrinking in the laundry but yeah the uh the sleeves are starting to get tight on most of my shirts so you can tell it from the pictures you're doing awesome and from everything that i've seen from 
your fiance. Can we say her name on yeah, the we air? Yeah, say her name. All right. Right. Everything that Sarah's done, she's posting every day on that 30-day Team Sam, and I make sure I watch everybody that's on that thing. And um, if I like the picture, that means that you're doing good. Because if you're not, then I wouldn't like it. I would just comment on there about, maybe you need to change up the amount of sodium. <laughs> I'll make a comment on it. But so far, everybody that's been doing the 30-day Team Sam, like, you can notice it in the pictures. But she's also been writing in some of the things she's done. Like I think the last one, she said she has lost eight pounds. And keep in mind, that's only in 25 or so days. That's not even the full challenge. And you're already hearing about you know eight pounds lost, 10 pounds lost, whatever. This is a this is a long term goal. The thirty day challenge is just to to set you on the right path. So that that's awesome. Like that's a huge accomplishment. For myself, I'm looking at going, okay, within a three week time frame, I've got to be in decent shape because I've got this little wrestling outfit that I wear and I don't want to look absolutely ridiculous in front of the audience. So I want to talk a little bit about what I've been doing and how I've lost a massive amount of weight in a short amount of time and how that's good, but it's sometimes unhealthy. Because if you are a fan of combat sports, like I get asked this a lot about MMA fighters because a lot of people are into the MMA now and and they see the weigh-ins and they kind of get what's going on. Or the big one coming up this weekend is the Manny Pacquiao-Floyd Mayweather fight. Because I just watched the weigh-ins on TV, and it made me think about this earlier. If you watch the fighters, they they have to weigh in 24 hours before the event. And let's say they're fighting as a a middleweight or a welterweight or whatever. So they have a certain goal weight that they have to hit. They cannot go above that. I I mean, they have like a five-pound leeway where if they're five pounds over, they can, you know, give up part of their, their fight purse or you know, agree to still go, but they have a certain weight they have to hit to be within that uh, that division. If you watch the weigh-ins, and this is what I've heard, and this is what makes me think about this, I've had people that go, well, how come you take like Chuck Liddell, for example. Chuck Liddell was a very famous fighter whenever when MMA was first getting big. So a lot of people knew who he was. You'd see Chuck Liddell at the weigh-ins, and he would be ripped. Chuck Liddell fought as a light heavyweight. So the, the 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 highest weight that you could be is 205 pounds. So when he weighed in, if he was over 205, you know, ain't going to happen. Got to go run or sweat it off. People would be like, how come Chuck Liddell is like ripped? He's got abs and everything at the weigh-in. And then 24 hours later, he's got a gut and a lot of those muscles disappeared. And if you start to notice on some of the other fighters... They don't look as ripped as they do at the weigh-ins. They look a little more smooth. Maybe there was a certain muscle definition you could see at the weigh-in that you don't see the night of the fight. Well, here's why. Part of weight cutting, not part of weight cutting, the biggest part of weight cutting is getting as much fucking water out of your body as possible. And it is not safe. And they do this shit at like middle school and high school level um, with athletes with like wrestling and shit like that it's it's not a safe practice but that's what they do they try to dehydrate themselves and get as much water out of their system as they can to reach whatever that you know max number weight that they can hit is for their division and then what happens is whenever the weigh-ins are over they go home and no they don't go home usually right then they start fucking pounding food they start pounding sugars they start pounding waters and all the water that they had depleted to reach that weight they automatically put back on it is not uncommon for fighters to be weight cutting like 10 all the way up to 20 or 25 pounds to reach a division. When you're at the pro level, 
the the extremes that they go to to hit this weight is fucking crazy. And it starts, you know, weeks out. But I, I've read anywhere like Mike Dolce, um, I think he keeps his fighters at about a 10-pound uh, difference from where they've got to weigh in up until the week of. So that means like that last couple of days, they'll lose like 10 pounds uh, off of the, the methods that they use. And this isn't shit-talking on Mike Dolce or the fighters or what they do. I'm just saying... From a from biological standpoint, it's not the most safe thing, but they know that going in. So once they weigh in, these guys immediately start pounding fluids. Some of them will get like IV fluids put straight into them, and um, you know that that can lead to you feeling like shit the night of the event. But supposedly, then you're bigger and you're stronger, whatever. But that's why if you watch the fights, you'll see the weigh-ins. Like if anybody's, you know, tonight, uh, May first. As we record this, Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather weighed in for their fights, and I watched it a little earlier. And you see, you see Pacquiao, and he's just shredded, and Mayweather just—I mean, every muscle you'll see, you like the veins and shit in his abs. He looks like a bodybuilder. Guarantee you, tomorrow night at the actual fight, they're not going to come in fat, but you won't see a lot of the veins and a lot of the definition that they had at the weigh-ins because now they've had a chance to rehydrate. Anybody listening that goes, why the fuck would you do that then? Why would you put your body through all that just to put it back on 24 hours later is the size advantage. Manny Pacquiao, I'm totally making these numbers up, but Manny Pacquiao is like five foot five, maybe five foot four, five foot five. Floyd Mayweather is probably like five ten, five eleven, maybe. Floyd Mayweather is a naturally bigger guy than Manny Pacquiao. So if Manny Pacquiao agrees to fight him at, say, 145 pounds, Floyd Mayweather, who might naturally be 170 pounds whenever he's just walking around on a normal day, wants to have that size advantage. So he cuts as much weight as he can to get down to where Pacquiao wants to fight, which is the 145. He cuts and dehydrates and does all this stuff to reach that 145 limit. And then the night of the fight, when they both rehydrate, Floyd Mayweather's probably going to have like a 10 or 15 pound weight advantage on Manny Pacquiao. But it's perfectly acceptable because as long as he was able to reach that weight 24 hours before, then it counts. Well, it seems like the weight classes are completely bullshit then, and there's no point they to They are, and there's talk about having it be the day of the event. And, it, and I'm kind of split on that because I go, part of me goes, they should. That way it's more fair. That way guys are fighting at more of a natural weight. But at the same time, you'll probably still have guys trying to cut, and it'll be even more unsafe because then they're going to be out there fighting totally dehydrated or trying. A, a really famous example in boxing in the same weight division was back in uh, back in the real early 80s. There was a fight between Sugar Ray Leonard, who's one of my all-time favorite welterweights. He fought this opponent named Roberto Duran, who's another one of my all-time favorite fighters. Motherfucker had hands of steel, and they called him hands of steel because the story is he was down in Tijuana, Mexico one night, and he was drunk, and he punched a fucking horse in the face and knocked it out. Roberto Duran was a fucking monster. When I hit mitts, I still, I'll think of certain ways that Roberto Duran turns and moves whenever he throws his hook. Anyway, uh, Roberto Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard had this fight back in the 80s, and their first fight, Duran whooped Leonard's ass. He was the first guy to ever beat Sugar Ray Leonard. Beat his ass. So they have the rematch. And in like the third round of the rematch, the fight's kind of even. Roberto Duran just stops. And he starts like grabbing his stomach and he starts saying, no mas, no mas, which means I quit or no more. And so they stopped the fight. People were like, what the fuck is Duran doing? He kept saying, no mas, no mas. And no mas was like his way of giving up. He didn't want any more. 
And for a long time, Roberto Duran got a lot of shit for that. People were calling him a coward. They were saying he was a wuss and all these other really bad things that they'd never say to his face. But um, and, and the whole no mas thing in the sports community became like a, like a cliche thing, all because of Duran quitting. What they didn't know until years later on, Duran talked about this, was he did an insane weight cut, you know, to get down to the weight that him and Sugar Ray Leonard were fighting at. He ballooned up from their first fight, the fight that he won. He 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 put on like thirty or forty pounds and then waited to the last minute to cut weight. So he dropped all this fucking weight to reach the the welterweight or middleweight limit. And the night after the fight, he went out and drank like like a whole gallon of orange juice and had like two steaks and like all this crazy acidic food to put the weight back on. The night of the fight, he had like these insane intestinal cramps and diarrhea and all kinds of was basically shitting himself the first three rounds of this match and got to where like he just couldn't take the intra-abdominal pressure anymore and was like, fuck it, I have to stop. I'm quitting. No mas. Wow. That's why weight cutting is not a good thing. Like Roberto Duran is a famous example of that and really got a lot of tarnished his legacy. One of the best fucking middleweights ever. And if you're into the boxing, if you're a hardcore fan, you know that. But then to the casual fans and the people in the sports world, he always got just did talk shit about. They thought he just quit because Roberto Duran was getting beat up a little bit by Sugar Ray Leonard. He quit. No, fuck that. Sugar Ray Leonard had a bad weight cut and then went crazy afterwards and could have been really seriously injured worse than than what happened. You know, now he's got a bruised ego and all that, but it could have been way worse, but it all starts with that weight cut and then having to put all the weight back on. Where that applies to what I'm doing with the 30-day challenge is I'm not taking extreme measures like that, but that is a big thing that I'm trying to do over this, you know, by the day of the match, I'll be at like 35 days or whatever, but is eliminating as much water as I can from my system right now. The more water that I get out, the more muscle definition that I'm going to see. So I'm doing that by first cutting out as much sodium as I can, and I'm drinking over probably 140 ounces of water a day. When when you're retaining water, it's either because you're a female and it's your time of the month and you're going to be bloated because you're retaining all this water because you've got a whole process going on where you're about to eliminate a lot of blood and oxygen and water not, okay, I shouldn't get into that on the air, but you, you know how it works. The other reason, and this is the real big reason why men and women retain water, is they're taking in a bunch of sodium, but they're not drinking much water to go with it. Your body's in a constant state of trying to maintain a balance of sodium and water. So if you eat a diet that's high in a bunch of fucking salt and you don't drink a whole lot of water to begin with, You've got to retain as much as you can from the foods and everything else that you eat. So your body, to keep up with all that fucking sodium it's got, since you're not drinking a bunch of water, it retains the shit that it's getting out of the other foods and keeps it there to stay in balance with the sodium levels. To reverse that, you you, you crank your water intake up and you drop your sodium levels down. Then what's going to happen is your brain tells your body, hey... This motherfucker's drinking a lot of water now. We don't have to hold on to what we already have. And because the sodium level is already so low, we don't need to keep most of this. So we're just going to flush it up. So that that's a big thing. And I do this with my clients right off the bat as I tell them, you know, jack your water intake up. But what I've been doing is I've had the water intake up. I've cut my sodium down to almost nothing. And every workout, not only am I sweating my ass off, I'm also taking thermogenics. I am taking drugs that help assist with the sweat process. Now, they're supplements. That doesn't mean I'm doing cocaine and crack and everything else, or at least not when it applies to training. <laughs> but 
And I'll throw it out there right now. I'm taking the. Uh, I was taking the one DB from Supplement Superstore, and then I got another product they hooked me up with, wanted me to try it out, and it's called like Onyx, which is ironic. <laughs> and uh, but I mean, both of them—they're helping me sweat like crazy to get some of this water out. And then at the end of every training session, I usually go into the sauna for a good ten minutes or so and just do push-ups and anything to just squeeze the muscles and get as much water out as I can. So, like a lot of the pictures that I put up on Instagram, it's like. They're starting to look good, but also realize it's because I'm dehydrating myself to try to get some of that, you know, as much muscle definition as I can that's that's not body fat. The stuff that is body fat, well, that's going to take a while because I'm working on burning it up. And that's where the the dieting and, and uh, the the no processed foods that come with the the 30-day challenge comes in. I have uh, I've been maintaining a strict diet of Greek yogurt and low-sugar oatmeal in the mornings. And then I usually hit my uh, my post workout shake because it happens a few hours later after I'm done with my morning clients and working out. And then the rest of the day, every three hours, it is this fucking same. It's grilled chicken, broccoli, quinoa up until three o'clock, and then after three o'clock, it's grilled chicken, broccoli, and then some spinach leaves thrown in with that, and then probably another grilled chicken breast before I go to bed. If I absolutely am losing my mind and I feel like I have to have something bad to eat and it's later in the evening, not completely at night, I will either make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on, you know, whole wheat or whole grain bread and very low sugar jelly. That way I at least feel like, okay, I had something bad. And that's not every night because if I do it every night, then that kind of defeats the purpose. Or I will have a bowl of the uh, multigrain peanut butter Cheerios. Just to make me feel like, okay, I had something that was just different. But again, can't do it all the time. Um, but I mean, I've been sticking with almost that exact same meal plan these last 27 days. I have lost, I was right at 231 whenever I weighed yesterday. And I was like, like 249 25 days ago. Wow. So yeah, pretty close to like a 20 pound drop. I'm hoping to have another like maybe four or five pounds down whenever I actually hit the match next week. So that's a pretty drastic drop. I mean, I'm looking at cutting about 25 pounds in a 30-day time frame. But what's going to happen is whenever I have that one cheat day, whenever I have some sodium and some sugar and everything, I'm going to put probably 8 to 10 pounds back on. And it's going to suck because I'm going to weigh myself. I'm like, motherfucker. But that's okay because I have another 30 days behind it. Whenever I get done with this next match... I'm going to have a little more space out. I'm going to have a little more time to play with, and I'm probably not going to do as much water cutting as I'm doing uh, right now. But outside of that, I mean, everything else that I'm doing is pretty uh, It's pretty safe. It's just basic clean eating. I mean, there's nothing from that that's going to be bad. And I'm not losing, you know, like I said, I, I may have done 25 pounds. That wasn't 25 pounds of water, you know. Maybe 8 to 10 pounds of it has been, but the other 15 has been a solid body fat. Probably a little bit of muscle with it too, but that's okay. I need to do that for mobility reasons. As I get closer to this show, though, how I'm going to drop this other 5 pounds or so that I want to go is messing with my sodium and water levels. Because after I've went now for three weeks without much sodium and a shit ton of water, what's going to happen is I'm going to drop my water intake down on certain days and crank my sodium through the roof. I'm going to salt everything that I eat. And then the next day, I'm going to go low on both. And then the day after that, I'll drop the sodium, crank the water up. And then the next day, same thing with the high sodium. So it's basically like zigzagging. Every other day will be a lot of sodium, hardly any water. And then opposite days, 
a lot of water, no sodium, or little of both. So what's that do? What it does is it starts taking the body and making it think that it has to hold on to a certain amount of sodium because it hasn't been used to it. And then whenever you cut that off and jack the water up, I mean, you start depleting everything that's in your system. So it builds a little bit up and lets a lot go. Then it builds a little bit up again and lets even more go. That's almost like this slinky effect, but you're getting more returns. Mm. And uh, by the day of the show, once I crank that water up and I drop that uh, sodium out by that last day, I'll probably piss out a lot of water. That sounds awful. <laughs> it is. Now, if you saw what bodybuilders do to get ready for their shows, one of the reasons they look so lean is just, I mean, they have to get rid of every bit of water. They do those sodium zigzags, but they stuff that they start that stuff a lot further out. For me, I'm going, I don't, I'm not going to come in and be ripped to the bone, but I still want to look better than where I was at a couple months ago. And then I'm going to go back to the, you know, I'll probably level off the, the manipulation of the sodium and water once I have a little further, you know, down the line when the matches aren't, you know, one week away. It'll be a gradual process. By Circus Maximus this year, I'll have leveled off and I'll be able to do this stuff without doing too much sodium cutting. And I should be able to come in at, you know, a very lightweight. And I did it a safe way. But that's... For the people that have asked how I dropped that much weight or how I've done that in a short amount of time, or you look at my pictures, you see the first one compared to whatever the latest one is, like that is strict dieting. That is not that is not two days on and one day eat really bad and then start again. That is consistent, twenty six days or wherever I'm at now. But it's also, you know, dropping that sodium down and drinking a shit ton of water and using supplements to help sweat a lot of it out, and then using the sauna to sweat it out. So. You know, you don't have to go to those extremes. Just keep your diet clean, get your exercise in, keep it consistent, but look for more of a long term. Mine's the 90 days coming up, but you don't have to do some of those extreme water cuttings or whatever. Tim. Yes. In your uh, in your little journey this time, mm-hmm. have you done anything freakish or extreme? Are you taking steroids? No, I'm not. We took I took creatine for a week, and then I stopped taking creatine. But no, it's all been... It's all been clean eating and uh, probably three to four days of weight training in the gym. And I try to get in at least a little cardio every day, but I've been pretty lazy about that the past couple of weeks. But that's that's something I'm glad I've even whenever I wasn't doing the wrestling shows, I've, I've tried to be very conscious since uh, the last couple of years, really, of making sure that I'm getting a sufficient amount of cardio just to stay in all around decent shape all the time. But also for for actual cardiovascular, heart, pulmonary function. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I meant aerobics. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's <laughs> Except for at. every now and then. Well, usually a couple of those a week, I'll get on a uh, I'll get on a uh, fat burn and cardio type thing on the stairmaster. Oh, and yeah. I'll do like a mile and a half on of stairs. And then now that it's getting nicer, Sarah and I try to go out and bike. Uh, almost every weekend that's the great way to do it is just get out you know and and it's a nice weather and just do stuff that's so much more fun than going to the gym i uh i recently started using my uh my basement i started moving some of my old studio weights and stuff into the basement trying to make a little home gym not so much for me because I'm a gym rat, I'm just not. It's not the same motivation working out at home that it is going to a gym where there's other people that are either in better shape than me, or they're in less shape than me, and both things motivate me. 
But when you got kids and all these other life factors, sometimes shit happens and you're just not going to be able to go to the gym. So I set this little little home gym up, and really a lot of it was for my significant other. She wanted a way to work out but still be able to have the baby there and everything. But on some of the days when I when I have to keep the baby and we don't have a babysitter, I've been trying out the whole home gym thing, bringing him down there, letting him play around. And uh, like a week or so ago, I was like, I'm on my, you know, I'm on this training for the wrestling match. And I was like, I can't skip my workout, but I can't go to the gym. I got him. He's sick. So here's what we're going to do. I, uh, I took him downstairs and I went through this little routine with some barbells, just something just to get weight and move it for 30 minutes. And um, I thought for cardio, what I'll do is I'm going to take him out into a stroller and I put like a 25 pound plate at the bottom of his stroller. Now my son already weighs like He's like the size of a full-grown man and a fucking one-year-old whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, he's having enough already. So between that, the stroller, and the plate, I thought, I'm going to take this thing. And my subdivision is enormous, and it's got tons of hills. So I thought, I'm going to take him out and just push this fucking stroller all around. And that's what I did. I started off, I walked down the hill, and then I would turn, and I would do sprints with him up the hill with this thing. Because after you add everything up, it's got to be close to 100 pounds that I'm pushing in front of me while doing these sprints up the hill and it's like after like three or four of those i was like damn man i'm dying and i was like i probably have to do 20 more of these and then whenever i looked at my timer i was already at like 30 minutes and i'm like holy shit you know like when i'm in the gym time goes a lot slower because i'm used to the same atmosphere everything but by going outside and working out and everything was different having to get creative actually I, i was spending just as much time doing cardio but I didn't realize how fast time went by. And I think it was because of that, because I was outside, I was in the fresh air, and it was just a totally different environment. So not to get off track there, but like you were saying, if you guys are getting to go outside, you're going to go on hikes or whatever, that, that's a great way to get exercise in. I just received a tweet. Oh, never mind. It's a spam bot. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I had an alert come up, and I'm thinking it's somebody asking a question, and instead it is some bullshit. In fact, it's not even to me. It's to show me comics. <laughs> and uh, it's somebody asking for answers to an interview question, so... That Hafu book's coming out soon. People are interested. They got questions about it, but they can ask us about that on a different podcast. Not the How Should I Bro, buddy. You look like somebody that needs to learn about diet and exercise, so <laughs> switch over. Don't tweet the Show Me Comics account. Tweet the How Should I Bro account and talk about how you need to get your motherfucking ass in a gym and get to lifting some weights and eating some protein. Yeah. So... I got the wrestling match coming up May 9th. I feel great. I'm at 33, which at 33 in the world of professional wrestling, you're still kind of hitting your prime, man. The Rock is like 40-something. John Cena's in his 40s. Fucking Hulk Hogan's like 69 and getting ready to wrestle again. So is in it? our world, sure, it's a show. Your body gets beat up, but it ain't like going out into the cage and fighting somebody and you haven't had the outcome. Let's just say it's not as much of a show, right? 
So physically, I feel awesome, and I'm still kind of young for wrestling, so I attribute that to my training and what I've been doing in the gym, but I've also been prehabbing a lot. So prehabbing is like the stretching, the foam rolling, um, some of the things that I'm doing warm-up-wise to get my body ready for either the hard workout or whenever the match comes, I'll be doing that. But I think that that has helped me a ton, where whenever I was younger, I didn't give two shits about the warm-up or anything. I would just you know walk into the gym and then start working out. And because of that and some of the other things I've done with wrestling and fighting, my body, you know, feels like shit some days. But uh, with all the prehabbing and some of the training uh, modes that I've been using to prevent the injuries or at least help the ones that were already there, that has helped tremendously. So I'm coming into May 9th and I should be in pretty good shape. And I feel like uh, physically that I can get in and really... uh, beat the living shit out of whoever my opponents are going to be because I don't know who they are yet, but uh, it isn't going to matter because whenever Adam Ra uh, is backstage and that master of puppets hits, man, that means somebody's about to get their neck broke. And whenever you follow the training routine that I've been on and the dieting that I've been doing, that just means that whenever that master of puppets cord hits, somebody's going to get beat up worse than ever before. So if you're listening May 9th, Come out to PWCS in Granite City and find out if everything I talked about today is bullshit or maybe some of it's real. (laughs) He might really break somebody's neck. All right. That's going to go ahead and wrap things up for today's show. Make sure you get on that plan and that you follow it consistently. Don't be two days on, one day off. If you're going to set yourself 30 days in a row where you can't cheat, then you better make sure that it's 30 days you don't cheat and be ready to keep going after that. So for today's podcast, I'm Sam Richardson. I'm Sam Pegarol. And you can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore the underscore trainer. You can find me on Twitter at Tim Hates You. And you can find our whole show on Twitter at How Should I Bro. If you're on Facebook, search us at How Should I Bro. And uh, do we have an email set up yet? Yeah, it's uh, contact at com, And there's even a form on the website where you can directly type stuff in and send it to us. And that will go straight to our email. Awesome, because we know we've got a lot of people out there listening. So send us your comments, your questions, your uh, pictures, your results, your nudes. We don't care. Send them (laughs) this way. And on social media, if you want us to see who you are and let us see your results, hashtag 30DayTeamSam. That is Three zero Team Sam. And don't forget to give the show a rating and a review on iTunes. Every little bit helps, helps us grow our audience. That right. That way more people from Malaysia can be listening to us. So <laughs> that is it for today, and we will see you on the next download. <laughs>